everyone, Holly from Safe for Kids here. I'd like to introduce you to the author of this book. Um, it's the newest book in our series on pornography. And I've got with me um, Kerry Isham, who wrote the book. Um, and I'm going to get her to tell us a bit about it in a moment. But um, there are so few books about this, about pornography. So I'm really keen to hear why she wrote it. So Kerry, thanks for joining me. That's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Holly. I appreciate it. So, so you're a sex educator. Yes, certified sexual health educator based at an Nanaimo, BC in Canada. And uh, that book was co-authored um, by a colleague of mine. Her name's Lindsay Ford. Oh, yes. She is um, with Bread and Clutter. And I actually asked her today... I couldn't remember exactly how we met because I meet so many people through this job. Um, Nanaimo is a very tight knit community and people, she, her first book that she wrote was Tommy Tutu. And it's about a little boy's dilemma of which bathroom to use based on how he dresses and shows up in the world. So she contacted me and then we met several times after that. And I said, I really want to, to write a book and I have a storyline and I've done the research. And so I did an outline for her. And then Lindsay is very crafty at, you know, doing the rhyme scheme of books and things like that. And so she wrote the book, she did the illustration mock-ups and we kind of went back and forth and met many times just to kind of go over the material. And then um, it, it just was um, a good addition to a course that I um, offer parents and teachers and EAs and foster parents called how to talk to kids about pornography. Beautiful. I love the illustrations and because they're really funky, they're not, mm -hmm. um, you know, they're not your run of the mill. And so I really think kids would be engaged um, because it's just, it really depicts, um, you know, when, says that it gets stuck to you like glue and things like that. So I think young people will be really engaged with that. She's done a marvellous job on the illustrations. So when you're um, educating, are you seeing more and more children and earlier and earlier watching pornography? Is that coming across in your work as well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been, this is my 11th year um, just doing this on a daily basis. Um, and I would say probably in the last five years, I've seen a dramatic increase. And each year, the questions that the children ask me, a question that I might have gotten five years ago about pornography would be maybe in grade seven or eight. And then what I'm noticing now is that even kids in grade four, grade three, um, I start my Q&A time in grade four and they'll say things like, Am I a bad person if I see pornography? What is pornography? My friend showed me pornography at their sleepover. And so this is, you know, this is a time where many of these children have actually not been given information about reproduction and sexual intercourse. And with the whole purpose of sexual intercourse, you know, or sexual intimacy being about creating bonds and pleasure and closeness, these kids are seeing graphic, violent, degrading, objectifying images of people. And then, you know, storing those images, we store, you know, what we see in pictures for later retrieval. And so this is really concerning to me. And my worry also is if kids are seeing that, are they imagining that's what their parents are doing? That keeps me awake at night because 
you know, like your book says, you can't unsee things, you can't unhear things, but also, you know, that would be playing on children's mind. Oh, is dad doing that to my mum? That's not okay. So, um, and I believe that we need to have the conversation. I don't call it pornography with young children. I call them private pictures and private movies. But I believe that we need to have the conversation from six because so many kids are seeing it on YouTube. It's just coming up in the feed. They're not searching for it, but they don't know how to deal with it. Yeah, agreed. And I mean, we all know too that, you know, people, young teenagers and adults are using pornography as a grooming tool, right? They're coming off as being a helper. I'll show you how to have sex when you're older. This is what, you know, brothers and sisters do, or this is what an uncle and a, you know, nephew or niece does. And so this is, I'm, I'm with you on the staying up late at night worrying about this. I'm very worried about the unrealistic depictions of sexual intimacy, if I can even call it that. Kids thinking, you know, this is an unrealistic way of people sharing their bodies that the general public would not participate in. I often get the, well, what about the people that are participating in BDSM? That's a very structured culture with um, a high level of consent. And I have friends that participate in that. Yes, there are people that may like to be choked and spanked and, and things like that. But the majority of people do not participate in that type of sexual activity. And I'm fearful that, you know, kids are really seeing um, graphic images that they then believe is the norm instead of like a fantasy world, right? And so that's part of what we need to do as educators is to have children have this information from a very young age so that they're more literate, right? Pornography literate, and that they can look at these images and say, hmm, my grandma and my auntie and my uncle and my mom and my dad and, you know, my next door neighbor probably don't want people to treat their bodies like that and have these very overt conversations. So for a prevention tool. Um, when I'm working with young people, um, young teenagers, they admit to me of watching at least two hours a week of pornography. Um, and, you know, they say, oh, but miss, we know it's not real. But, you know, people don't understand that our brains can't tell the difference between seeing something and doing something. And because our brains are wired um, for excitement and, and things like that, um, we, you know, you have to watch um, weirder and weirder stuff eventually to get the same stimulation. So, yeah. you know, we are failing young people, not giving them good sex education from a very early age. And so... You've also got some other resources that you you have? Yeah. So basically, I cover ages three to adults, and adults meaning specifically adults with, who are non-neurotypical. So the first book that I have is Body Smart, right from the start, and it's a sexual abuse prevention workbook for kids ages three to eight. And this book really sets the foundation um, for education, right? My body belongs to me, private and public spaces, who are my trusted adults, the difference between safe, unsafe, secret touch. And this, this is a stage that can't be missed because many of the clients that I have later on, 15, 16, 17, 18 year old, usually boys, they're doing things in public that are private and right. So they don't have the foundational information. 
The second book is Puberty Coming to a Body Near You. And this is for grade three to grade seven. And of course, if somebody enters puberty before grade three, great. And if, you know, maybe they're a later bloomer, grade eight or grade nine. And that one's an interactive workbook as well. It covers puberty and hygiene and the reproductive system, how babies are made, all of those types of things. And then my third book that just came out in November 2019 is Beyond Puberty. And this one has a, a compilation of a few activities from the Body Smart, a few from the puberty, and then gets into consent, healthy relationships, sexting, pornography, how to ask someone out, how to break up with someone, relationship styles, self-care after a breakup, sexually transmitted infection, sort of everything that I think that kids need on a fundamental level to be able to enter into a healthier first relationship. Fantastic, because when I'm working with young people, that, that's what they want to know. They know the plumbing stuff, and they know you get an STI if you don't wear protection. And But in Australia, I don't know if it's the same in Canada, in Australia, in my experience, the sex education we're doing is STIs and unwanted pregnancies. So you're all going to get syphilis and have a baby you don't want. But they want to know, how do you ask somebody out? How do you break up with somebody? Nobody's doing the respect for relationships and consent and stuff like that. And of course, mm -hmm. pornography leads down that trail because we know 88% of pornography is violence against women and yeah. there's no consent. So um, I'll put a link in the notes um, mm -hmm. to your website because you can download them by a PDF, can't you, for people here in yes. Australia? Yeah. So thank you for that. And what age do you um, recommend for, for your book? Well, see, this, this is the interesting question because I think initially we thought grade four to grade six. But my thing is, if, if parents or grandparents are going to be giving a device to a child, then I think they need to know that if they, we don't need, necessarily need to use the word pornography, but you can say, you know, if you're on your screen and you see a picture of naked people or naked people doing sexual things, I want you to close your laptop, turn off the screen, come and tell us you're not going to be in trouble and that's a really key point because kids are very scared that their devices will be taken away we want to work through this with you and then the most uncomfortable part um as a parent is if your child you know sees pornography and they will you need to sit down with them and deconstruct what yeah. they have seen because if not, they're not going to understand what was happening. And the chances are they're going to be going back to look again to try to figure like, what the heck is going on here? And why would that person be doing that to somebody else? Because that is wrong. Like, what is that? And um, we were talking off screen about the correlation between pornography and child-to-child -child sexual abuse. Because, um, you know, when I was a child, we grew up watching Cowboys and Indian movies. So what do we play? Cowboys and Indians. If children are seeing that, then, you know, across the world, we know that they're acting it out on other kids and that it's going up. So um, do you cover that in, in the talks that you do? Well, I definitely cover that in creating a culture of child protection, which is an online course and in person. I'm seeing sexualized behavior that would be outside of, you know, what would be expected in kids in kindergarten. Yes. So kindergarten kids saying, do you want to lick my vulva? Do you want to put your mouth on my penis? Do you want to see my, do you want to put your finger in my anus and things like that? And this is at school. This is on play dates. This is on the playground. And so anytime there's any sort of, um, 
room for privacy in the classroom, like if they had a tent or something like that, the kids are in there exploring each other's bodies, which when there isn't any sort of content around putting genitals with a mouth, um, most of the sexual play is normal and healthy. Do you want to see my penis? Do you want to see my vulva? Like that's age appropriate for kindergarten. But when we get into doing sexual things that are beyond what a five, six-year-old should even know about, because I know the average child would probably lose their mind in kindergarten to think that people put their mouths on someone's genitals. It's just not really heard of in that age group. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, I'll put the link to the book in the notes and I'll put the, the link to your website. Thank you so much for creating Great. the book. Thanks so much, Holly. Appreciate it. And um, hopefully we'll keep talking. Okay. See ya. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.